This is the second week of me being the acting lead pastor here, and so, yeah, thank you. And so, um, I started off, you know, because being a pastor to me is much more than just a job, and it's taken a long time for me to get here. I wasn't really trying to get here right now, but I got here, apparently, and, um, you know, I've been in ministry now in some way or fashion for 10 years now, and 10 years worth of dreaming and building and learning lessons from God and investing time, you just naturally accumulate a lot that you want to say. And um, we really believe here that we preach through Scripture. We let Scripture dictate what we talk about and what we care about. But I took last week and this week to really start off preaching some deep lessons that God has taught me. Um, so these are lessons that I want to start off. I want to start my pastoral career with these two sermons so that I remind myself these lessons and that uh, I let God uh, do a mighty work in our community and our church through, through these two lessons. And last week we talked about Genesis 22 when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son and how really that story is outlining how God is telling us that we need to let him be the one who sees our life, right? That we, that life only makes sense uh, when we let him be the one who oversees us, who tells us where to go, who, who is smart enough and big enough to tell us what we should know. We see that uh, he also, we speak with him, you know, he asks us to speak with us, he invites us, to speak, he made us to speak with him, but how we should never be speaking so much that it gets in the way of what we're really called to do as people who listen to him. That as a believer of God, as a follower of Jesus, really your main task and my main task and our main task is to listen to God and then to obey. Because if we don't obey what he's saying, then we're really telling him that we, didn't, we never came to him in the first place to hear him. And if we don't obey, then we probably didn't care what he had to say anyway. And so today's lesson follows similar narratives, but it's really about this idea of interruptions. You know, the times in life where things don't go the way you want them to, the times in life where God interrupts your life and tells you to do something, times in where your plans are frustrated, times when things just aren't going right and you're waiting and you're praying and you're still getting nothing. Times when God is speaking to you, but his answers are slow to come, seemingly slow to come. And so what do we do in these times? What do we do in these times where we just don't know where to go and we can't make sense of what's going on? And I really see this as an important lesson because it really addresses what I think is one of the big idols of our culture in where we live, our culture as modern people, and somewhat our culture as a church, and that's the idol of time. The idol of busying ourselves so much for a lot of reasons, because we're doing good work, or because we're searching for significance, or because we're trying to escape something, but it addresses, God has a lot to say about time and how much time we should give him and how much heart in our time, how much scheduling should be play a role in our lives and all that. Because time can be a really powerful idol where we live. And so the scriptures talks a lot about that. I remember in 2015, I got to go to Israel with 
my um, Hebrew class. Yolanda was there, Anne went with me. It was, if, if you ever go to Israel, it's incredible because you're walking where Jesus walked. It reminds you, okay, yeah, I, this guy was a real guy and he did real things and he lived a real life. He's not just a legend, but he was real. And um, we, our teacher took us to this part of the Jordan River and he did some, I forget what the name was, it was like a water blessing, water rites ceremony where he takes water from the Jordan and he goes around and blesses everyone on the trip with a, a word that he, he, he hears from the Lord. And um, this guy who, I mentioned this guy because he's Dr. Widbin. If you know anything about me, I'm obsessed with him. And um, he is on my Rush, Mount Rushmore of people who have influenced my life and who I give room to speak into my life. And if not for him, I would have hated this blessing that he gave me. The blessing when he came to me was that it was something like, God is going to do great things in your life, but you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. If it wasn't him, I would have tried to kick the person who gave me that blessing. Because I, I don't want that blessing. I never want that blessing. I never want to wait. I never want to be interrupted. And I think that a lot of us, human nature is, is like that, especially with God, especially with things that are important. And so what do we do with these times? John 11, we're going to be in John 11 today, and John 11 talks powerfully about this idea of interruptions. Uh, before we go there, let me pray so that we can go into God's Word together. Lord, I uh, thank you for this day, and I thank you for uh, your presence with us, Lord. I ask that you would be with us, teaching us and guiding us, Lord. I pray that the words that I say today come from you and your spirit and your truth and your scriptures, Lord. Please be kind to us and faithful to do a mighty work, and uh, we love you and we trust you, and we only want to hear from you today. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 20, but that's really at halfway through this story, so let me catch us up for a second. In John 11, one of G Jesus' BFFs gets really sick, Lazarus. He gets really sick, and his two sisters send word for Jesus to come and to do something, to help him, to heal him. And Jesus does what he does sometimes that's really frustrating. He waits two days until he does anything. He talks a lot with some people. He has these conversations. He says some things that we really don't understand. I wish we had time for that today, but we don't. But then, skip forward, after two days after he got this message, he's like, okay, let's go. And then, so verse 20 really finds him when he is arriving to Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters. So let's read together. Verse 20 says, So when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Wherever you, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in scripture. It's easy to memorize. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I know that we're used to like getting uh, three or four verses at a time. The last two weeks have been a lot of verses, but I love this story. I really love this story because it is really this picture of what do Mary and Martha do in the meantime when Jesus is not coming and not doing what they asked him to do? What is their job? What is Jesus' response? What's going on? How do we make sense of all of this? Usually when we're in a struggle in life, we just can't even make sense of everything, right? You just feel, you feel like you're in it and it's chaos. So what do we do in that time? You know, I've come to really believe, I think I wrote this on the slide, but interruptions give us space and time we, don't, we didn't know we needed to experience and exchange truth and presence with God. Uh, I'll read that again. Interruptions give us space and time we didn't know we needed to experience and exchange truth and presence with God. These times in life where just, they just come and they smack us in the face and we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, but really... It's an opportunity to be with Jesus and to get something that we don't have. Now, I love in this verse that Mary and Martha both come to him in different times and they ask him, well, it's not a question, but they say the same thing to him. They said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both of them, in their anguish, in their sorrow, in this really difficult time, they come to Jesus and they say the same thing, which is pretty cool. And yet Jesus does two really different things. You know, for Martha, what Jesus gave her in that moment was some deep truth. She ran to him and said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yet I know that what you ask the Father, the Father does for you. And then Jesus says, yes, 
and she says that she starts talking about how he will rise again in the resurrection. And then Jesus gives her truth. He says, not only will he rise, but I am the resurrection. You know, sometimes in sorrow, sometimes in these moments of interruption, you need some truth. Martha needed truth in this moment. You need to remind yourself. You need to remind your heart. You need to have a loyal friend who will come at the right moment and tell you some truth so that you can wait a little longer. Sometimes the answer is that you just really need truth in your life. And then we also see that, he, that Mary goes up to him. You know, We have this picture of Mary and Martha from the other story that most people know, right? That Martha is running around and that Mary's just being lazy. And then here, it's, it's very funny. Martha is, runs to Jesus to get an answer. She's so bold, and she knows who he is and knows what he can do. She calls him the Christ here. I like this picture of Martha also. And then we see Mary. She's so dramatic. She just runs to Jesus, and she throws herself at his feet. She's in intense sorrow, which makes sense. But she asks him the same question. When, what Martha got was that she got some deep emotion. Here it says, in verse 33, it says three times that Jesus wept, in verse 33 and 35 and 38. Three times Jesus, the Savior of everything, the one who created everything, who loved this man so much that he cried, he wept three times. Now, I know a lot more Hebrew than I do Greek, but I looked up the Greek, and guess what? This word weep really means to weep. It's like Jesus was having his ugly cry on he wasn't, it wasn't just one movie tear coming down, but he wept in front of all these people. You know, so many times, if you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're a boss, or if you just want to look like a mature Christian, you always, have, you always feel like you have to keep yourself together, right? Keep yourself collected. But we hear, see here that the Savior of all things just wept in front of Martha, in front of Mary, and in front of all these people, because that's what really was coming out of him. We also see here in, in verse 33 that it says that Jesus was deeply moved. And the word here, I think, the more and more I read this passage, the more and more I felt like this, the English translation is just too sterile because that word for moved deeply was to snort out of anger. I love that. It's so cool that our scripture has that in it, that Jesus was so moved that he started snorting out of anger. I don't know about you, but I've cried like that a couple of times in my life during really, really big moments. And thus, what a beautiful picture of our Savior that this means to us that God is not okay with the sin that's going around us. He's not okay with death, that it angers him, that he was so angry that his friend Lazarus had to taste death because that wasn't God's original plan. That was never God's intent for us. And so we see here that Jesus was deeply moved by the death of his friend and by the weeping that he saw around him. Uh, that, that's incredible. We serve a God who loves us, who took the first step by coming down here and experiencing all these things with us, that he's not just some God, he's not a stoic, he's not some guy in a carven stone uh, statue, but that he came here and he put on our flesh and he came and he suffered with us, and he cried with us, and he cried for us. But thank God that the story doesn't end there. You know, we're talking about interruptions, right? What does God have to do? What can he do in all of this chaos? I love that from here the story goes, and that Jesus goes, he asks to go to the tomb. 
which was uncommon because you would never want to be around a dead body. And all Jesus had to do was to call out to Lazarus' body, and even a dead body responded to his words. You know, it makes sense when he goes and he cures people, and when he does this, and when he does that. But to speak to a dead body and it listen to him, that's pretty special. That's really, really special. That goes along the lines of last week's passage, too, about how all of creation is meant to listen to God to listen and to obey, that even Lazarus's body knew that if it had a call from Jesus, it had to obey, and it came back to life. I also love that Jesus' last words in this story, in verse 44, unbind him and let him go. It's like, what an awesome picture of freedom that we have in Jesus. What an awesome picture of what the kingdom of God is really about. That he could have given him a million prayers to recite, He could have given him a job to do. He could have said, here, follow me, and then you would have earned this. But all Jesus says to him was, unbind him and let him go. You know, I read this really, really cool quote. It's really simple and really short. But when when you know God's salvation, when you have seen him work powerfully in your life, this quote becomes really real. The quote says, The extra hours of sorrow are more than compensated for by Jesus. You know, the four days that Mary and Martha went without their brother, the four days of sorrow, the four days of, I don't know what's going on, Jesus more than compensated for that when he did something in in their lives. When I started seminary in 2012, I went to a class, and I thought it was just going to be a normal class. And when I got there, the second half of that class was dedicated to uh, deliverance or uh, casting out demons. Uh, Sounds really weird. I had not been used to that at that point in my life. Um, But I went to the class, and it was fine. I got there early. I read the handouts. Great. Nothing, Nothing was up. And then as soon as we started actually covering the material, as soon as, like, it became really real, these, this picture of these eyes came to me these eyes that would scare me as a kid and make me afraid of the dark and steal nights of sleep from me, came back to me. And I remember for years and years and years of my childhood, these these set of eyes, though I never physically saw them, I had always felt them. And then in that night, I I went up to the professor after class. I was like, you can't do this to me without praying for me. You have to pray for me right now. You can't go home. Even though it was like 10 o'clock at night, I was like, you can't go home right now. You need to pray for me. And... um, Sure enough, there were, five more, there were five students still left in class, and they all came, and they, pray, they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me. And in that moment, I went through deliverance for the first time. And I'll tell you what, all those years of being afraid of this thing, as they started praying for me, and as wave after wave, I felt freedom, and I felt God's move, and I felt demons actually come off of me, It was all worth it. I think that when we really meet Jesus and we really taste his freedom, this is is the overwhelming feeling that it's been more than compensated for. When you actually meet with Jesus, when your soul actually receives freedom, not that it's worth it that it was a good thing, not that it's worth it that God wanted that over you, but that his freedom made it okay. 
that you're not worried about the years that you've lost because God gave you so much thing, so many things that you thought were impossible to get in the first place. The worship team can come up now. I love this story because it really talks to us about these interruptions in life. What were Mary and Martha supposed to do in this time of waiting? What were they really called to do? And so for some of us today, it is that you need to remind your heart of truth. That you need to go to your word, that you need to spend time with Jesus and let him tell you, no, I am the resurrection and the life. I can do things in your life that no one else can do. That you need to trust Jesus for that. But then there are also times when you need to go to God and release your emotions. Get rid of all those Press back feelings that you have that you say, no, I can't feel this. That you need to go to God and cry if you need a God. You need to go to God and snort at anger towards him if you need to. But that you need that God loves and cherishes you enough that he says, okay, dump this out on me and we'll rebuild something new. You know, in the times of interruptions, we need to do two things. Before they ever even come, we need to make up our minds ahead of time how long we're willing to hold on for Jesus in truth. How long we're willing to say, Jesus, I'll go through this because I know you're good, and I know that you can bring dead things back to life. And then we also need to do, when we get into these seasons, in the moment, we need to go to Jesus and release these emotions. If Jesus needed to, that's usually a good sign that we also need to let empty ourselves out for him so that he can fill us back in. And so today's sermon really isn't theologically complex. It's not about this being hard to understand. It's about actually doing this and actually trusting that Jesus will do it. In in talking about interruptions, you know, when things don't make sense and where plans are frustrated, it's important to know that when you don't hear the voice of God or when you feel distant, what comes in the place? Is it fear that takes over that ground, or is it trust? Trust that you believe God is big enough to actually speak to you or to do something in your life, or are you just going to be afraid or stay where you are at? You know, I'm here today to tell us today that we can trust Jesus for the most difficult situations that you've ever been. That even today, to this day, people are still raised from the dead because of Jesus but that he can also do something for you if it's about your work or your marriage or a relationship or whatever it is. You can bring it to Jesus and he can do something powerful. This message isn't about being complicated. It's about living it out. It's about letting your heart go to these places. Amen? And so let's worship a little bit more. Let's worship the creator of all things, the one who can bring people back from the dead, the one who can speak life into any situation that you find yourself in because I know that when we meet him it'll you'll be more than compensated you'll be so blown away with his love that um, life health and life will come back into your heart amen so let's let's stand up and let's worship a little more